Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Peterson backing up from his claims. He said, according to Jane Slater on the conference call with Dallas Media, can I just clear something up real quick? I never used the term or word guarantee. We thought he kind of guaranteed victory against the Cowboys. He said, all I was doing was showing confidence in my football team because there comes a point, especially here in Philly, where you lose a game or two and everybody feels like everything is kind of caving in on the football team. For me, it was about standing up and kind of taking ownership of where we are as a football team. We're 3-3. Three and three. It hasn't been perfect. Just showing confidence in my guys and kind of instilling that into the players that everything is going to be okay. So take that, everybody. We've got it under control. I said we will win, but that was not a guarantee. It's just you know, uh, wow. it's kind of a helping verb, really. He said, I actually received some text messages from players in support and in favor of what I said, saying, listen, coach, we know we're not perfect and we're going to get this thing right. It's been a very big positive. Uh, okay, it's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We've been talking a lot about officiating in the NFL and luckily for us, let's not talk about how we became besties with this guy. Let's just talk about we are besties with the former VP of officiating in the NFL, the great Dean Blandino, who joins us now. Dean, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I like the, uh, the Darth Vader music. <laughs> I think that's it's very it's very apropos. I could yeah. have found worse, but that was all really we could come up with at the moment, right? I uh, know, I know. But wait, before we get into the officiating, I want to I want to talk about. I don't know if you guys know my one of my hobbies is I keep an archive. Of all the high school hall of fames all over the oh, country. Oh, is that right? And I, and yes, and I got an alert because I have it set up to get an alert when when people are inducted into the high school hall of fame. And I got an alert that you guys were inducted into the Berkner High School Hall of Fame with with some guy named Everson Walls. I don't know who that is. You guys. So I just wanted to congratulate you on that. Well, first of all, that's a terrible app that you have that gives you that. <laughs> It gives you that alert. I'm, I'm trying to sell it. So I don't know. You think I got? You think I got a? Think I got a chance? Very uh, limited audience for that thing. Uh, thank, thank you. you Very kind of you to say, Dean. We really appreciate that, brother. And and hey, we want to dive in here. Obviously, to us, it feels like straight chaos going on with NFL officiating. Uh, you're the former yeah. VP of officiating in the league. What in the hell is going on? Can you make sense of all this? Well, let me first say that. Look, this is not. It's not unprecedented. During my time at the league office, and I was there for, for over 20 years, there were times when it felt like the roof was caving in and everybody was, was, was going crazy about the officiating. So, so this isn't – I wouldn't say that this is unprecedented. It is very – it does feel like the last couple of weeks, it seems like that's all people are talking about. And then obviously, Monday night, prime time, people are watching, and, and you have – some controversial calls and, and whenever those calls go against it felt like one team um, and that team loses, then, then you get that outcry. So I, I don't think this is unheard of, but I do feel like, um, you know, it's just been a couple of weeks where, you know, whether it's pass interference review or, or too many penalties, things like that, where we're talking about officiating and that's never good for, for the NFL. 
It is never good for the NFL, and you know, you know my affinity for the NBA, and I think they've had worse officiating problems than any other league, probably at least in terms of perception and all that. But do sure. you do you think the the owners and and Roger and the folks feel compelled or motivated to quote unquote do something because public confidence is shaken right now? I, I do. I think, and the timing, you know, it couldn't have been any worse in terms of having the game Monday night. And now, you know, they're in Florida right now at an owner's meeting. And so you have the commissioner, you have all of, all of ownership there. So it's definitely something that's in the forefront of everyone's minds. And I'm sure they're talking about it. And look, officiating is, is, it's a difficult, it's a difficult environment to work in. It's a hard job. And I think the league has to continue to look at ways. How can, how can they make it, make it a better environment for the officials, make sure you get the best officials, the best training, the best teaching, the best resources so that you don't have these types of situations where we should be talking about a great game Monday night and a comeback and all that type of stuff, but instead we're talking about the officiating. Yeah, and I, I, to me, it, it always blows me away that it's a $15 billion annual industry and you yeah. don't have any full-time officials right now. You talk about getting the best referees – the best way to do that is to pay them a lot of money and make it a full-time job. And since they're so incredibly important and you're a $15 billion annual industry, it seems like that wouldn't be too crazy difficult to do. In your opinion, should there be full-time officials? Would that help? I think anytime you spend more time doing what you do, you're going to get better at it. And, and so I think the league has to figure out how to make the officials. Look, right now the officials put in a lot of time. And they spend a lot of time during the week looking at film, going through, you know, their previous game, their upcoming game, scouting the two teams. But the reality is, is a lot of them have other jobs that, that take away their focus from, from the NFL. And so if the league can figure out a way, they just did a new collective bargaining agreement with the, the, uh, the referees union and, uh, and full-time officials are in that agreement and the league has to figure out a way if it's the, you know, if it's the 17 head referees that are full-time, because those are the, the people that are basically, you know, running those crews and, and they can communicate and hopefully do it consistently, maybe that's the answer. But, but I certainly think the league has to figure out a way to get these officials, whether you call them full-time or not, get them more, more opportunities to get better at their profession and, and not to have any distractions, you know, outside of that. So I am curious about that. I hadn't really thought about it. I've heard Ben talk about this a lot. And then recently I was thinking about it. I was like, well, what does a full-time official do in February and March yeah. and April? And June? I'm sure that's the logic why the NFL doesn't have it. But currently your crew chief, your, your cleats and those kinds of guys, how much time a week do they spend during the NFL week on quote-unquote officiating? They, quite a bit. They, they spend, so as a crew chief, you're probably spending anywhere from 20 to 25 hours during the week. You're, you're breaking down your, your previous game. You're, you're highlighting plays that you want to cover with the crew. Every crew evaluates their entire game. They'll have a conference call during the week, typically on Tuesday night. They'll go through their game, different things that they want to discuss, different situations. They'll get an evaluation report from the league on Wednesday. They'll go through that evaluation report. Then they'll start looking at their upcoming game. Cowboys, let's break down. Okay, what do the Cowboys like to do on offense, defense, special teams? What do the Eagles like to do, different situations, tendencies? All of that, they're doing that every week. But what you said earlier was, was important. 
you know, what are they doing in, in March and April? Because, look, NBA referees are full-time. Baseball umpires, hockey referees are full-time. But when they're not officiating games, you know, what are they doing? You know, they're not, they're not at the, the Mavs facility working practice. And, and that's because football is a once-a-week sport. That's why it has evolved with officials, you know, having other jobs. I think, I think we just got to figure out a way, you know, there's things they can do during, during the off season to get better, whether that's physical fitness, training, those types of things. But they do, they do spend a ton of time during the week on football and, uh, and it definitely takes away from the other things that they do. Let's talk about the final play uh, in the Cowboys game where they, against the Jets and they go for the two point conversion and, Jason Witten is assaulted in the end zone and there's no flag. If what were what were your thoughts on that play? Well, I think what we've seen with this rule, you know, I thought there was definitely and 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 Jason is a is a veteran player obviously and he he initiates as much contact as he, you know, as he gets, but you know, there was definitely contact definitely some some group who did what to who. It's close. You know, if a flag is thrown there, uh, you could probably support pass interference. But I think what we're doing now with this rule, especially from a replay perspective, is it's not, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to have to be a complete and total mugging for a replay to get involved. And even when the call in the field is not made and there is a challenge, um, it, the bar is very high in terms of creating that foul and replay. So I think at this point, the, you know, the way they're administering this rule is, no harm, no foul, and we're gonna we're gonna stay with the call in the field unless it's something, you know, egregious. Let me ask you this: the old idea that a ball is quote unquote catchable. Did he throw a catchable ball there in the first place? Well, that's that's the other thing you have to factor in. You know, is that a catchable pass? And that's part of it. It's all judgment, and and that's why when you start talking about making these types of plays reviewable when it's so subjective, mm-hmm. then it becomes, it becomes a debate. Like the three of us could look at, we, we wouldn't look at Cowboys games because you guys might look at it a certain way, but let's pick two teams outside the division and we can look at a bunch of plays and not agree on, on any one of them, whether it's pass interference or not, because it is so subjective and, and that's why I think that's what we're seeing with this rule right now. But I don't know, besides illegal motion or lining up in the neutral zone, what isn't subjective and judgmental. But that's a whole other discussion. I want to interject this here because a buddy of mine that works for the Mavs mentioned this, and I thought it was right on. Why, if a play is reviewable, is it incumbent upon the officials looking at the play to have conclusive evidence to quote-unquote overturn it? If you are challenging, challenging it, the very nature is that we don't know what happened here. This isn't fair. So shouldn't they go into it completely blank and make a determination based on what they see as opposed to can we overturn a call? Uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good point. It's something that the competition committee and that we've we've discussed at length. The the original when the replay was put in it was it was to fix the obvious error in a critical situation. And 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 it has it has evolved so far beyond that today. But that was the initial that was the initial thought. And and so you said, okay, it has to be clear cut that the call in the field is incorrect in order to overturn it. But what we're seeing today is we're no longer just looking at obvious errors. We're looking at these fifty fifty plays. And you'll I think what we're going to see is that type of concept start to creep in where you're no longer just saying the ruling on the field is correct. 
Now you're going to reofficiate the play in replay, and I think that's where we're headed. I think re- you know targeting in, in, in the college game, that's what they're doing. They're reofficiating the play. I think if you start adding these subjective calls, I think the only way to do it is to say blank slate, let's look at it. It, it either is or it isn't, and we move on. And I think that's where we're going to head pretty soon. Okay, so with regard to these calls, uh, you could make a, call, a holding call on every play in the NFL, right? I, I, I feel like the perfect medium, and tell me if I'm crazy, is this. Oh, uh, you know, you don't want to have too many calls, obviously, because it ruins a game, turns it into a ref show. But, so I think you should only, if you're, if I'm official, if I'm a, a referee at a game, I would only want to throw my flag for holding if it impacted the play. Like, okay, this guy would have had a sack if he wasn't held. This guy would have had the tackle on the play if he wasn't held. If it's on the whole other side of the play and it was real small and it really didn't impact things, if you're my boss, shouldn't I hold my flag on that so I don't ruin the league? Yeah, and, and, and that, is, that is the way officials do look at holding. You know, and for, for many years it was, look, point of attack. If the hold really has an impact on the outcome of the play, and uh, then, then anything else, you're not going to throw the flag. I think what's happened with holding is because, because of the way blocking is today and there's so much outside the frame and there's so much use with the hand, is that offensive linemen were getting away with technique on the backside that was because you have the cutback and you have different blocking schemes today, it, it was impacting the play, even though it was, it was technically on the backside at the start of the play. So the league wanted to clean that up. But I think, you know, that, that, ha- that concept is not, you know, something that they don't do. You know, they don't want to, if the receiver on the right side of the formation holds and, the, and it's a sweep to the left, they don't want to call that. They, they, they don't because that really has no impact. So that concept is still in play right now. But what I think they try to do this year is they really try to clean up some of the, some of the technique that offensive linemen were using. And I think that's why we saw such an uptick in holding calls the first couple of weeks. Dean Blandino, former VP of officiating the NFL. We hated you at first. We've loved you ever since. And we're kind of enjoying the fact that the league's you know, officiating has gone to crap without you. Hmm. Uh, I think they need to bring you back. Hey, thanks so much for the time, man. All right, guys. Take care. There he goes, the great Dean Blandino. God, I hate that guy. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you on that.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.